This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, good afternoon, folks. Nice little Tuesday afternoon to you all, and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm your host, Andrew Hustler-Patterson, along with the CTO, my partner, Michael Remus, here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And, oh, we've got a great show for you today. Um... The sports rabbi himself, our old friend Matt Leibel, will be steamrolling into the program in about 10 to 15 minutes. We'll get Leib's take on the Winnipeg Jets right now, his thoughts on the CFL season, um, potentially. Uh, Any announcement we're going to hear about things being pushed back. We're going to get to all those topics. And, of course, Matt will want to talk about his beloved Blue Jays. We're taking on the Boston Red Sox tonight with Big Hyunjin Ryu on the mound. And then a little later on, we'll talk some hockey. Great friend of the program, longtime NHLer, Dale Weiss, Winnipeg dude, going to join the program. We'll talk to him. He's doing some work on a similar show following the Montreal Canadiens called Habs Tonight. Um, So we'll talk to him about the Montreal Canadiens and where they are right now as they try to clamp down on that final playoff spot in the North Division as well as his thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets with, what, 11 games left in the regular season. Jets were back on the practice ice. We'll get to that in just a moment with Michael Remus. Um, As always, we are brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Breezy Bend Country Club, Cool Bet Canada, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Um, Let's get Remus in here to get things going. Remo, what's good? How are you, my friend? Huss, how are you? I'm here. I got it all sorted out. I'm doing great. It's, what is it today? Tuesday? Uh, just two more days. Two more sleeps until uh, the next Jets game day. So we're yeah. trying to figure out what we're doing, watching other uh, hockey, I guess, right? Is well, I doing? just thought that you may have been a little slow to pop in there because you were preoccupied with your Diamond Dynasty team on MLB The Show, which, of course, did come out officially last night at midnight or, I guess, 11 o'clock Central Time. Um, and we haven't had a chance to get into it yet. I did pick it up for the Xbox last night. I am very excited to have the first ever cross-platform battle uh, with you on that game once I learn how to play it properly. Uh, and if there was ever a time for a new video game to come out, um, I don't think there could be a better time than a three-day break before the Jets are back on the ice. Yeah, I went to try it out. That's my issue with video games now. Like, you used to be able to just get a game and plug it in and you're off. But now, like, I turn it on, it's like, oh, you got to install it. Oh, you got to download the updates. Oh, you don't have enough room on your hard drive. You got to delete spot stuff. And then... I guess so many people were playing this game last night that I couldn't even do anything in it, so I turned it off. I didn't even get to play. So I was looking forward to it all night, uh, ruined. So I just well, watched uh, I watched the Mariners game. They won against the Dodgers. They're uh, actually in first place now. How? Which is amazing. The Major League Baseball standings right now, we'll talk about this with Libel a little later on, are wild. I mean, the Red Sox are at the top. The Mar- Like the entire American League. You got the Red Sox, Royals, and Mariners in first place right now. I mean, hands up if you had that at this point of the season. Heck, even after the first day of the season. It's early, so uh, it's 162 game season. Uh, crazy stuff can happen, but yeah, you look at the standings now, and uh, it's a bit odd. Uh, Royals, yeah, I didn't see the Royals or Seattle, 11 and six, uh, tied with the Red Sox there. So the Yankee and the Yankee fans are freaking out. They're at the bottom at five and ten. 
You know, it was funny, and we'll get to Cool Bet lines a little later on, but when Chris Abbott popped on with me um, a little while ago, we were talking about the upcoming baseball season, and he had mentioned that the team, I mean, they've got huge exposure on the Blue Jays um, because they're in Canada. That's Canada's team, and, you know, a lot of people wanted to put a nickel down on Toronto at 30-1 to to win the whole thing. But he said between the Blue Jays, their next biggest exposure is the Kansas City Royals. And not that tons of people were betting on them, but somebody apparently put down a massive wager on the Royals to win at 130 to 1. That was not me. Uh, (laughs) I wish I had the cash to just arbitrarily go and plunk down a five-figure bet at 130 to 1 on my favorite team. But um, anyway, it's a great start for some of those teams, and we'll talk about that with Matt. Um, And we'll talk about the Habs with Dale Weiss. I see Dom Zappia in there. Montreal fans are in a big-time panic. I mean, in Montreal, they're normally in a big-time panic. But I got to tell you, Reem, you saw them up last night, one nothing on the Edmonton Oilers while the Ottawa Senators were up on the Calgary Flames just a few hours south down the road. And Edmonton turned that game around in a hurry, just an explosion of goals in the third period, turning a one nothing deficit into a 4-1 victory. But down at the Saddle Dome in Calgary, once again the Flames unable to beat the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa now 5-2-1 and one on the season against Calgary. And if you want to look, if you want to look at why the Flames are where they are right now, look no further than getting dominated in the season series by Ottawa when pretty much everybody else in the division has been, you know, getting their wins and getting their points. No team better than the Edmonton Oilers, who I think have not dropped a point yet to the Ottawa Senators in seven or eight games. Yeah, Edmonton's uh, swept Ottawa, which is uh, incredible. And Connor McDavid has last night another highlight <laughs> real goal. Um, just, it's not fair. It's not fair. Not, yeah, watching this guy, I mean, he looks like he just casually skated up through the middle of the ice, just skated right past, you know, Montreal defenders. I mean, he's past them before they've even reacted and able to move. And you see a play like that, you're like, oh, how do you even stop this guy? And uh, you know, you don't feel as bad for the Jets who've had some trouble the last couple of games. But uh, I tweeted, I mean, he just makes it look so easy. Um, the way he can get to top speed, uh, how fast he can move his hands with the puck while move, you know, while moving his legs at the same time. You have a lot of guys who can have the legs but don't have the hands to catch up. He's got everything. And uh, another unbelievable goal. And there they were, 4-1 yesterday. And Calgary, it's been... It's been a rough season. Do you think that they're um, they're regretting that three year contract they gave to Daryl Sutter, like right off the hop? Mm, no, I mean this isn't really on Sutter, um, but you know it'll it'll be fascinating the off season. I, like some of you know, I've been doing shows on Sports at nine sixty in Calgary, and last week was their Thursday game, and it was right after they'd won the three games in a row, and. You know, it was at that point where, like, geez, can people legitimately in Calgary start feeling excited that maybe this team was going to get back into it? And and the biggest reason why I said, yeah, you know what, like, I'm I'm here for it, and I will entertain that because they had a schedule. Their next six games was the Habs, the Sens, the Canucks, and then three in four at home against Montreal. So, I mean, if they did decide that they were going to go on a run and, you know, get a string of wins, if they had done that over those two weeks, I mean, they would have been right back in it. But they lost in regulation to Montreal. Now they've lost to Ottawa, 
who knows what you're going to get on Vancouver against Vancouver. But here's the craziest thing, Remus. Listening this morning, when Vancouver went into COVID protocol and the entire thing blew up out on the West Coast, the Canucks had a 6% chance of making the playoffs. They didn't play for three and a half weeks. And to put it into perspective, just how bad Montreal has been and how bad Calgary is in, the Athletic today has the Canucks with an 18% chance of making the playoffs. They've played one game in the last four weeks. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty wild. Um, how you know much of a chance Vancouver has increased from not even playing. They had that game against Toronto. Uh, they were pretty pumped. So we'll see what happens with them. I think they're playing, a, and they're not playing again tonight against the, uh, the Maple Leafs. Yes, they yes, are. Yes, they eight are. Clock. We'll see what they have in game number two after the uh, the comeback. I don't know. Myers played, what, 30 minutes in that game. Edler suspended for the next two games, although they won't have Zach Hyman. Uh, the Leafs won't have Zach Hyman. And Nylander, disciplinary reasons out tonight. Uh, late for a team meeting, Remus. That's not going to make the coach happy, and that'll uh, be a quick way to get sat up in the press box. And that's where Nylander is after just coming back after he was off on pro on COVID protocol. Yeah. What do we think about that? Are we like, Hey, get this guy in the lineup or like, are these team meetings that important? I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know. Do we, do we play, just play him anyways? Or? <laughs> well, uh, like, it seems like they need him in the lineup. No. Well, against Vancouver, probably not. No, you're I guess trying just to establish a winning culture and a winning culture has guys show up on time for meetings. Remus. Is Maybe that you need a like little more accept- winning culture in your life? You can't just find them, find them like five thousand, the maximum allowable by the CBA. You can't just do that instead and say, "Hey, and, you're still in the lineup." You know what? As a Nylander fantasy owner, I would prefer that, but unfortunately, we don't have a uh, we don't have that option. Now we will get to the Winnipeg Jets. They did practice today. Uh, Wheeler back up on the line, eighty-one fifty-five twenty-six, and uh, then Pierre Luc Dubois back in the middle. Eith Ehlers and Stastny, Andrew Kopp back on the wing, riding shotgun with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton and uh, 85, 11, and 23. Perot, uh, nasty Nate Thompson, and Trevor Lewis is the fourth line. Defense was interesting. Very Three of the pairings that we remember, and the fourth pairing, Vili Hainala and Jordy Ben finally got a chance to do a full team practice with the club. And um, as you mentioned, Reem, a great chance for a little bit of rest and a couple full team practices before the Jets get back at it against the Leafs. And certainly, as we've seen all year, they'll look to avoid losing twice in a row in regulation and be a lot better than they were in that first game back against uh, Edmonton on Saturday night. Yeah, and it seems like they're going to have uh, the captain practice in full. And it seems like we're going to have that Connor Shifley, uh, Wheeler, Wheeler linebacker together that we know the coach loves so much. Dubois going to center with Ehlers and Stasny. And that line has looked, I think that line has looked good at, at times as well. And of course, the third line, the powerhouse line, Andrew Kopp is the one going back with uh, Lowry and Appleton. So, uh, full Jets lineup against the Leafs on Thursday. We'll be keeping an eye on the Leafs game. Tonight, see how they do against Vancouver. They're on a bit of a slide. Maybe some goalie questions for them. But uh, as, as far as the Jets goes, that's how it's going. Harkins and, and Veslinen rotating in. And as it says on the bottom, the defense pairings right now. Forward, Pionk, Stanley, DeMello, Hainala, and Ben. So will we see Hainala and Ben step in here? I'm not sure. But uh, they were the fourth pair defense. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be tomorrow night uh, or Thursday night against Toronto. But as Maurice said last week, I mean, I think both of those guys are going to be getting in at least a couple times before the end of the season. 
Um, and then they'll figure out what their best lineup is in the uh, eyes of the coach and throw that out in game number one against whoever they play in the North Division playoffs. All right, we've got the uh, sports rabbi, Matt Leibel, coming up in just a couple minutes. Um, as always, the program, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, our channel, brought to you by Not Auto Corp. Why not get into a car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? I was just actually driving by Waverly and McGilvery last night, and I popped in. The Not building is beautiful, but, man, the cars on the lot are beautiful. So many incredible Teslas. If you're thinking about going electric, they've got it all there. Before you do anything for a vehicle, talk to Trevor and his great team at Not Auto Corp and see what they can do for you. And if you want to get out of a lease, or you've got a vehicle you want to move on, talk to them about their consignment program. They'll help you do that. Get max dollars for your vehicle and at the same time get a great deal on a new one. That's all at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery or visit them online at not.ca. Why the heck not? And I am noticing in the chat that DQ Nick is in, a, in with us, of course, of Nick and Nikki DQ. DQ Niverville, DQ St. Anne's, DQ Polo Park. But today, the big deal is at DQ Northgate, their flagship uh, station. Um, it's a bit of a 420 special, and I'm not sure what would go better on this fine day than maybe housing an entire DQ ice cream cake. So ice cream cakes are half price today at DQ Northgate. Pop in, take advantage of that great, uh, great special that Nick's put on. And Nick is asking... What's that gold statue in the background, Michael Remus? We all know what that statue is, Nick. I'm surprised you don't. It is the 2014 Winnipeg Gold Eyes Media Home Run Derby Championship Trophy that Remus won, beating both Ken Weave and Troy Westwood in a low moment of both of their athletic careers. Um, and it looks like a WWE Slammy Award, and it is in the background for all of our shows here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. So we will talk probably exclusively hockey a little later on with Dale Weiss of Habs Tonight, longtime NHLer. But first up, let's uh, let's hit all the sports topics with one of the most versatile men in the game. He is the sports rabbi. He is our good friend, one Matthew Libel. Looking looking very business-like, I must say. Uh, all business. Maddie, welcome to the program. It's great to have you back on the show. What's going on? Well, I, after that ego boost of an introduction, I am set up for, well, probably for life. You are, you're a tire pumper, man. I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Am I, well, hey, you know what? Me? Or is, what's, t- what's Remus telling me? No, it's on. Uh, it's on. I'm not sure. Yeah, I hear you yeah. fine. Okay, very good. Everyone, yeah. Anyway, it's, yeah. you call me versatile. You're 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 the versatile one. You're the hustler. Look at you. Well, to be honest, listen, that's why I always love doing shows with you. I always love getting together with you and chatting offline because you know, there's lots of people in this business that are really focused in on on, you know, one particular thing. They're hockey reporters and they can tell you everything about hockey, but when we start talking about, geez, what's happening in the Canadian Football League or the NFL or baseball, it kind of falls off. I mean, you are, and I mean, listen, you've been out of the game for a long time, but are still a, um, you know, a sports person at heart. Um, you know, pay attention to all of your teams, the teams that are important. So um, you can still, you can still hang at any point talking about a whole bunch of things. And I do want to talk about Blue Jays and some things later on. But we should get into, we'll start off with the Winnipeg Jets back at it. Um, 
you know, it's been about about a month or five weeks since we, you were on the program, right when we kicked this thing off. And, you know, the Jets were going into, I think, a period of the schedule that made a lot of people nervous. Long road trips, lots of games against Edmonton, lots of games against the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens. And we were really going to see what this team is made of. And, uh, you know, they've pretty much been exactly what they've been at the start of the year. A sometimes flawed team that has some very obvious advantages. But the bottom line is they have been putting up points. They've been getting the results, and they haven't been in any significant losing streak all season long. Where are you at right now? 11 games left in this regular season, Matt. We know the team is going to be a play uh, in the playoffs, but how are you feeling about them going into this game against the Leafs on Thursday? Is it a cop-out answer to say everything you just said? Uh, because <laughs> I, I think that you it's true. I don't think the Jets have really changed a lot for me at all over the season. I think the concerns I had when I was with you, I can, the concerns I had at the beginning of the season are still the concerns, defensive concerns, shots against. I think the strengths have continued to be the strengths. I think that uh, Nick Ehlers is having the season of his career. I think Mark Scheifele is having another amazing season. I think Stastny has been a welcome addition back in the lineup and Connor, of course, his usual self. And you talk about a guy like Logan Stanley, standout guy uh, of the year who's really come on. But and Perot and some of the depth. I mean, like, they're a well-rounded team with a lot of depth up front. they got tons of firepower at the top of the lineup. They've got the best goaltender in the North Division who keeps them in all kinds of games. They don't have... I look at them against Edmonton and Toronto I have all year. They seem to have a lot of trouble with Edmonton. And that first-round matchup looks like we're getting closer and closer. And I, I was w- listening to your show from yesterday, and you guys talked about that with Mike, and you talked about that with Remus, and you talked about that with people on the chat. Um, looking at Edmonton, Toronto, and Winnipeg as the three best teams in the North, I think the best skaters are on Edmonton and Toronto, but the best goalie is on Winnipeg. And it's not like they've got bad forwards. They've got good forwards. But they, they it's the same thing. They, they, I'm just waiting for these 11 games to get through and get to the playoffs because – I don't think there's anything that we're going to learn about this team in the next 11 days and next 11 games that changes really our opinion significantly about what they are. They um, they're like you said, sometimes flawed, but they can hang with any of these teams. There's no reason why they couldn't win the North division and move on in the play. They're good enough, but I also don't think we would be surprised if they drew Edmonton in the first round, had a really tough matchup and got bounced. There's, that's that's the Jets this year. Um, that's why when when you were talking a lot for a few weeks about are they going to go for Ekholm? Are they going to make this move? I was a little skeptical because I didn't see Ekholm as being enough to change them from this team that we just discussed here a little bit in, into a, a higher level team. I think that right now they can compete with Toronto and Edmonton to win that division. It'll come down to the matchups. It'll come down to if everybody is healthy and if everybody gives them their best. And they have the best X factor, which is Connor Hellebuck. You got the best goaltender. They got the best goaltender. So I think regardless of what's in front of him, if he plays lights out, they could win every game. one nothing, 2 nothing, 2 one 3 2 <laughs> So that's, that's the Jets for me. This. Let me ask you this. Looking ahead to the playoffs... Because, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. At the very top end, I mean, listen, McDavid and Dreisaitl and Matthews, of course, with the season he's having, and we'll even put in Mitch Marner. I mean, you could say that the top couple of players are on those other clubs. Hus- but I think McDavid, most people, McDavid, most, has, McDavid has 73 points? 
Oh like my that, god! Like, it doesn't this, make any he's sense. He's a cheat code. He's a cheat code. I don't saw the goal that he scored last points. night. Like, like it's I mean, it's yeah. Shifley's right up there with Matthews and Marner. But like, yeah, sorry, but like, yeah, I was but again, at that the again reason yesterday. why I bring Crazy. this up is that most people acknowledge that, but then when you look at the forward cores from one to twelve, we'll say the Jets are you know are the deepest team, and no question. You know, when I'm thinking about X factors come the playoffs. I mean, we focus so much on the top six and the top line. And I mean, to me, especially, and we saw it again. I mean, the Shifley line going up against Connor McDavid has not had a lot of success. I, I don't quote me on this, but I think the even strength goals are one, four, and eight against. I mean, that is, that's a lot of ground to make up. And that sort of speaks to why they haven't had some success recently. But I have to, th- I have to say, um, this Adam Lowry line, I honestly think, might be the most important unit when the Winnipeg Jets take the playoffs, get to the playoffs, especially if they're playing against Edmonton, because the job of shutting down or minimizing, I don't think you're ever going to shut down Connor McDavid, minimizing will probably go on to them. And if, and listen, I'm not expecting much from the fourth line offensively, but again, they've been very good at not giving goals up themselves. Um but, I mean, if that third line can be effective and do, frankly, a better job at minimizing what that top line is for Edmonton, the Jets then, I think, become are in a very advantageous position because of the scoring they can get from those other lines. The, the, the knock on Edmonton is that they are just so top-heavy, and if it's not McDavid and it's not Dreisaitl, they just simply don't have a lot after that. Leafs may be a little bit of a different story, not as top-heavy. Uh, I think they're a deeper team, especially we'll see how they look when Felino gets in. But I, I have to think that, you know, and we just said, with Wheeler coming back, Kopp is back on that line. We know the season that he's had so far. He's got 34 points in 44 games. Lowry Appleton has really turned into a difference maker right now. Um, if you want to be positive about the Jets and why they should be better come playoff time than maybe they've been in these last few head-to-head matchups with Edmonton, it's the depth of the forward group. And again, it all starts with number 37 in net, which we could talk about all afternoon. There's no question that they have the deepest forward core, um, 1 through 12. And this kind of conversation is reminding me of something you talked about yesterday when you and Mike McIntyre were talking about Trevor Lewis and talking about his two cup rings, which is I don't think can be overstated by the point that Mike was making, you were agreeing with it, the Jets in their decade tenure here in Winnipeg, Bufflin, Ladd, no other rings, right? To have Lewis and to be a part of those teams and to know what it's like to be a fourth liner. But it, but it reminded me of those LA Kings teams. And it reminds me also of some of the Pittsburgh Penguins teams, right? Because everyone knows that Crosby and Malkin are going to get theirs and they had Kessel at a time. But the reason why the Penguins have always done so great in the playoffs is because Gensel shows up and goes crazy. Right, it's because of that whole secondary scoring and that LA Kings team. Jarrett Stahl, who I will forever hate because he's married to the love of my life, Aaron Andrews. <laughs> but remember at the Super Bowl when I met her and I froze completely. Anyway, uh, he was the third line center. So yeah, they had Jeff Carter, and yeah, they had Mike Richards, and yeah, they were getting scoring from the top. But if those guys were getting shut down by the other team's elite defensive lines, which is inevitably going to happen with each round, then you couldn't stop Jared Stoll. You couldn't stop the third line. You couldn't stop the fourth line with Trevor Lewis. And the Jets have never had that. This year they have that. But 
I mean, I will forever be skeptical of Andrew Kopp's 34 points. I'll always feel like they're a bunch of garbage goals and empty net goals, and I wish him nothing but success, and I hope that he cashes in because he's a hard worker and a two-way player and great. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy with the creativity in the hands that's going to make a bunch of plays happen, but in the playoffs, it's greasy goals sometimes to get it done. So I think he's got the confidence, there's no question, and, and that'll be great, but Appleton. Appleton, for me, is the game changer of that line. I mean, I don't need to sell you on Appleton. You've been a fan of Appleton before he laced them up. I remember you had him back on the old show on 1290. Wisconsin kid, you talk about the Packers, really likable guy. But he has exploded. I mean, if Ehlers has had a breakout year and Cops had a breakout year and so has Logan Stanley, Mason Appleton has to be included in there because, uh, what is he, a fifth-round pick? No one saw this coming. I mean, there was a time there when Wheeler got hurt. We thought maybe Appleton... Is the kind of guy who could get moved up to top six minutes because of how well, good he is. Well, he did. I mean, who was there exactly. in the spot on the power play? That's when, right. When Blake was out for two weeks. So to me, like the Jets have, they've never, since the kind of the halfway point when Shifley had matured and they had drafted line and they had drafted Ehlers, they drafted Connor. They've had elite scoring in the top six for a long time now, for several seasons. We've been used to that. But we know that in all sports, offense is, is streaky. Defense is like the kind of thing is dependable because it's hustle and it's not based so much on skill. It's based on effort, which you can always turn up your effort if you've got it, right? Sometimes you get snake bits. Sometimes you don't find the back of the net. The point is, in the past, whenever Lion A went through a drought or Ehlers couldn't score in the playoffs to save his life, there wasn't anyone to back them, to, to bail them out. There wasn't enough depth of elite talent to put the puck in the net because at some point you're going to have to score goals, even in close games in the playoffs. But now I think you're right. I think that certainly the jets have those guys. Um, it's Lowry was re- rewarded with the, um, with the contract extension, but Appleton for me is so fascinating as is a guy like Matthew Perot on the fourth line, Matthew Perot on the fourth line oh. with some veteran experience and the, and the, and the gumption and, and the oomph he's had this year. I could see that goal potting a couple of goals and you don't need eight goals from a guy in your fourth line. You need two or three well-timed goals. I mean, a guy like Justin Williams, he made a career of saving his best hockey for being on a third line on pick your team in the playoffs, right? And, and don't tell me that when the playoffs come around, a guy like Justin Williams doesn't scare you. Wait, wasn't he also on one of those LA Kings teams? Yeah. So there you go. I I mean, to me, the Jets are well positioned, but, but that has to happen, right? And even though Cops had an amazing year and Lowry and Appleton, those guys have never really done that on the playoffs level. And this year, in order for the Jets to go farther, they're going to have to. They could. But it remains to be seen if they will. There's no doubt about it. And Perot's a fascinating, fascinating oh. case for this year because, um, and I spoke about this yesterday. I mean, I love Perot. I mean, he's been a big part of this team for a long time. But I certainly wasn't the only one that saw that number against the cap and the final year of his deal and, you know, the very crowded room up in the top six and even the top nine, as we've talked about, and wondered where does Matthew Perot fit in? Well, he's fit in very well where he's been able to play. And listen, for a guy in a contract year, he has really, really shown that he's not done yet. And Matt, you know, this, the psychology of this is real. I mean, these guys are playing for their livelihood, even though on any given night they're going and just trying to win a hockey game. And if if there's anything we can take from what Matthew Perot's done this year is that he's been very committed to being as good as he can be 
He has produced results beyond what I think a lot of people expected. And if you're trying to get a new contract, no better way to back up a regular season than make an impact in the playoffs. <laughs> and, uh, and when people go to sign you in the offseason, you're realizing, well, this guy was an impact player in the playoffs and in the regular season. What's fascinating about Pro is just, you know, whether that spot for him is in Winnipeg next year. In that I think it's obvious, I mean, it goes without saying he won't be making $4.25 million. But I think just the natural squeeze on the quote-unquote middle to lower class in this flat cap world is going to mean that there's spots for Matthew Pro in the league, but it's probably going to be a million or a million five. And I think for he is going to be, where's the best spot for him and his family? Where does it give him a chance to win? And, you know, depending on what happens this season, I think he'll see himself, you know, maybe albeit on a short-term deal with the opportunity to continue to build off what he's done this season. I mean, he's been rejuvenated this year. And I mean, he's totally changed the way I'm thinking about how important he is to this hockey club. Because to be honest, when we go into the playoffs, to your point, I mean, getting something out of that bottom six will be massive. And Perot has done it so far this season and could really make a difference for them in a tight series against a team like Edmonton. What I love about Perot, on top of the things you talk about, the veteran leadership, the the hands he's he's one of the guys on this team the jets are a little in my opinion they're a little bit light on maybe you don't like the term but let's call it and maybe debate it scrap matthew perot has a ton of scrap i see him in that mold of the guys who you hate admitting you wish were on your team because they are the guys you hate brad marchand brendan gallagher I've always seen Perot as that kind of guy. You watch Perot on his best nights, especially a couple years back when he hadn't quite lost a little bit of a step, though this year he doesn't really look like it. He's in on the forecheck. He'll slam a guy. He'll be a little dirty if he needs to. he's, He's got the scrap factor. And I think that that is the sort of thing that this team is going to need to come out of a few guys in the playoffs. One of the things that people still say to me, because you know, you mentioned I've been out of the game for a while, but I like to think of myself as being like, Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to compare myself to LeBron. After LeBron retires from the NBA, no matter how long, even when he's 80, he's going to roll down to a park one day, pick up a ball, dunk on a couple of kids and just prove that he's still got it. Right. So I like to think that I still got it. People come up to me and ask me questions and stuff when I see them. And somebody was saying to me, he's like, you know, I watch hockey highlights from other teams in the league. And there are people, you know, we know fighting is out of the game and the enforcer, all this sort of thing. But there are still teams who are scrappy. Right. What was it? A couple of weeks ago when Kachuk had that that brutal hit. Right. And there was the idea of who on the Jets stood up for that. And there wasn't anybody. Right. Because in the wake of no more Dustin Bufflin and no more Ben Sherratt, who I thought was very underrated in that role, especially in his last year's, the kind of guy who would get in there. And maybe it's Lowry a bit. Maybe it's Cop. Come the playoffs, it's not about the fighting. It's about the scrap. It's about the fact that if you're playing Edmonton and Zach Cassian eyes up Ehlers or lines up Shifley or tries to go for Wheeler because they think that Wheeler's vulnerable, who's going to get in there and and, kind of defend the Jets' team honor? I thought this guy's point was well made. I'm not so sure if the Jets have that, and I think you kind of do need that going forward, especially for a playoff run. But Perot is the kind of guy who reminds you, you don't need to be the biggest guy. You don't need to be the strongest guy. You just need to, you need to be prepared to get a little dirty, to, to, to unleash the scrap. And if the Jets can do that, 
I think that that bodes well. And just having a guy like Perot in the lineup, in that role, doing that sort of thing, it rubs off on other players. It's infectious. Yeah. He's, he's integral to their run. No, no, I, I'm with you. And, you know, going back to the Ch- Kachuk thing, I mean, someone did stand up to him. It was Blake Wheeler. It did not go well. Um, it can't be Wheeler, I don't though. Think it can't it be Wheeler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, not, it, exactly. I mean, Lowry's yeah. done that. The, you know, the emergence of Logan Stanley on that side is a guy why I do think that, you know, there's a spot for him in the lineup if they get to that. And the, the, what happens on the blue line, I think, over the next two, three weeks is going to be fascinating as to you know what Maurice sees as his best top six going into the playoffs with the addition of Jordy Ben, with Vili Hainala being maybe a little bit more in the mix after getting into a game last week. Um, but you're right. And listen, as far as the Edmonton Oilers go, I mean, the worry of Zach Cassian is pretty far down the list as far as what's going to beat the Winnipeg Jets. Like, Listen, if they do a great job against McDavid and Dreisaitl and all that, and Cassian's running around taking runs at guys, that's probably a good thing for the Winnipeg Jets, Matt. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that's for sure. Um, I just, I, I, I agree with you about Stanley. I just think that it's a lot to put on the shoulders of a rookie in these sorts of situations. If there's some, if there were somebody else and he could kind of follow the lead and get in there, but I think if we're expecting Logan Stanley to, I don't think it's, un, I don't think it's fair to expect that at this stage in his career. I think that without question, he has the potential to grow into that. But for crying out loud, he, he, he's a rookie. And I, I am, like like you said off the top, this team is not perfect. Um, they go up and they go down, but they've been very steady over the course of the whole season. One of the concerns I have is if they are pushed a little, which we've seen in their playoff series, right? The, that other teams like to in a in a series in, in a best of seven go after Ehlers, go after Connor, go after Shifley, aggravate them. What are those guys going to do, and who's going to step in to kind of support them and lift them up? And if those questions are answered, it, it's it's huge for the Jets. Yeah, well, and you know what? I would be far more concerned about that if this team was still in the Central Division. Or, you know, if we're not, (laughs) I mean, let's like think about these teams that the Jets are probably going to have to go through if they want to advance through the North, Edmonton and Toronto. Listen, if they're going to be running around like idiots running at Shifley and Ehlers, like I hate to say it, but I mean, the Jets probably go, uh, Paul Maurice will not be afraid to match whatever is coming at his club on the other side. And, you know, again, is that is that the path to victory for an Edmonton team or a Toronto team that relies so much on highly skilled superstars up front? No, I'd love to hear about the curse of Ryan Dinwiddie. The, the curse of Ryan Dinwiddie is from the Grey Cup back in what was it? Oh seven. In oh seven, Kevin Glenn gets hurt, hurt in the East final. Bombers play the Riders in the Grey Cup in Toronto. Right, it was in Toronto. It was at the Dome in Toronto, and my buddies had uh, bought t- tickets, and they went. And if you, everyone remembers, everyone remembers that Ryan Dinwiddie got his first professional start in that game, and um, and the, and the Bombers hung in there. Right, there was that great touchdown pass to Armstrong. The Bombers hung in there. It was not bad, but Dinwiddie wasn't great. And then my buddies are riding the subway home, back to the hotel or whatever after the game, and. Um, they're dejected because, of course, remember, this was back in the time when the Bombers never won and you, we oh, all lived it. I and they're there. sitting there. there. On the, <laughs> they're sitting there. They're, they're sitting there on the subway on the TTC in their bomber gear, just looking just like pathetic and just like sad. And these Riders fans 
come into the car from another car. They get on a stop, whatever they see, my buddies, and they look right at them and they go, Dinwiddie! <laughs> Man. And they that, just walk yeah. away. And my buddies are it's, just like, oh, the curse of Ryan Dinwiddie. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I will, tell, I will tell you this. I will tell you this. I will never forget as long as I live the 2000 East Final Bombers versus Toronto. Um, Bombers are an underdog in it. I do believe they were playing on the road. Um, But, you know, into the third quarter, the Bombers were up like 19 to 1 or 19 to 3 or something like that. And it became quite apparent that they were like they were going to win this game. So it was at the time before everybody had Wi-Fi and my computer was upstairs. And it was around the start of the fourth quarter. And I'm like, holy crap, they were going to the Great Cup. I got to be there. I went upstairs and booked a flight to Toronto for the Great Cup. I said, I'll figure everything else out, but flights are probably going to go up. I should, I should buy my plane ticket. So I did that. I come downstairs. I've just booked the ticket. I walk. I look at the TV. And Kevin Glenn is being wheeled off in a stretcher. Right afterwards. And for those of you that are superstitious, I'm making up bets that I certainly am and blame myself for stupid things that obviously have nothing to do with reality. I sat there looking at looking at that television going, this is all on me. This is all on me. I booked the ticket before the end of the game, and this is what it got us. And then, of course, what it ended up getting us was the Din Whistle's first ever career start in the Grey Cup. In a game that, uh, in a game that was there, it was a game that was there to win. Um, hey, listen. Speaking of CFL, you know we were expecting potentially an announcement today from Randy Ambrosi about <laughs> the season. Um, Naylor's been reporting that probably listen, something official of next week. It certainly seems that we're going Ambrosi. to be able to have uh, a delay on the beginning of the season, Matt. Um, and, and again, I'm not really too sure what Randy Ambrosi can really say when Ontario's in a full lockdown right now, BC's in a terrible situation, Alberta's hemorrhaging, um, and even places here like, you know, here in Winnipeg, where things have been relatively good, are still going in the wrong direction as the third wave comes on. I mean, it is an absolutely terrible situation for the CFL. And then in the background of it all are these rumors um, or reports that, there's some big things happening behind the scenes, which might, you know, fundamentally change the way we know Canadian football forever. Where are you at on all of this right now um, when it comes to a bomber season this year and the future of the Canadian Football League? Uh, you sure you want me to answer? Uh, yes, and I straight shooting. I prefer when the CFL talk is you and Hamilton go in 10 rounds trying to, you know, win each other over to your arguments and just the most futile attempts. But um, I'm, I'm, look, you know this, and I'll remind folks who it's been a, a while. I was down on the CFL as a league before the pandemic because I've always had trouble with something that you've talked about now, the schedule. I've always thought it was weird that they started, that they didn't make it more of a summer driven league, that they were overlapping with hockey and overlapping with the NFL and having Sunday games. Remember back when the Labor Day classic, we used to talk about moving it to a, uh, sorry, the, the Banjable moving it to a Saturday. Cause it was on a Sunday. Didn't make all that a lot of sense. And yet, I mean, I, I've had issues with the CFL. And then they did. And look how and then, successful it was once they did it. Well, that's the problem, right? Is that like the CFL has kind of been that, 
in, in sports, you have leagues that have always been okay with embracing change. I'd say the NFL is a great example of not being not being tied down to the oh, but that's the way we've always done it, the tradition sort of thing. And I see this a lot in the religion world too, right? Like the way we've always done it, the familiarity, the nostalgia, the comfort of multiple generations doing the same thing, that is a powerful force. That shouldn't be belittled. And that exists in religion. It exists in sports. Baseball is on the other end of it. Baseball, no, lately they've tried to do things like they run around second in, in extra innings and a few things, but it's taken a really, really long time, whereas the NFL was always very much on embracing change. The CFL is a football league, but I kind of see the CFL still having been in that more of a baseball mentality of not messing with things. And, and that sort of thinking, it's sometimes quite often really doesn't jive with a 21st century, certainly a 2020 and beyond mentality with millennials and the next generation, Generation Z as being the number one consumers because attention spans have changed. And these are people who have only ever known the internet. And it's, it's a whole new way of consuming sports that my parents' generation, grandparents, great-grandparents, like even me as a kid, when I fell in love with sports, it's like you said, you, you didn't have Wi-Fi when Kevin Glenn got hurt. That was only 14 years ago. You're running upstairs in the computer, right? That doesn't happen anymore. Everyone consumes sports in a totally different way. And I see the CFL has been slow to that. So that coupled with the fact that like they can't get it off the ground in Toronto and they can't get it off the ground in Vancouver in the same way that they do here and in Regina and Saskatoon and even in, in Alberta, it's all set up for trouble. And then you throw the pandemic into it and it's a gate-driven league. Ah. I knew there wasn't going to be a season last year. I have a lot of trouble seeing there being a season this year. And if if they if they had, if they miss two full years, or even if this year becomes severely limited, I don't know how a league like that bounces back with or without the XFL. And certainly, if they do bounce back, how could it look anything like it did before? I, I'm I t- I warned you. I am not the optimist when it comes to the CFL, and it's. It's a shame because in this community, it's always been so huge, even for all those years when the teams were losers. Like in the 90s, when I was a kid growing up, the Bombers used to draw and they would win three games. You know, like it's 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 heartbreaking for us. But if you take a step back and you look at the whole league, this is a league that was flawed before and it is really, really hurting here. And I don't have a good feeling about it, Huss. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? You you bring up some great points. And I mean, and I understand the connection and the passion that people that have been intimately involved in this league have had for their entire lives, why they are so adamant about the things that make the Canadian Football League uniquely Canadian, the rules, the ratio, all of those things. And I'm here for it. And listen, I'm the first one to say that if there is a way that they can maintain the status quo going forward, that would be great. I mean, um, but at the end, I want football more. Like I, I'm willing to change to save football in Canada, as opposed to if it's not Canadian, if it's not everything that we know right now. I'm walking away from it. And listen, there's a lot of people that are loud about that, saying I will never support the CFL, XFL, whatever it is. I have a feeling that's a little bit of bluster because, you know, when there's still thousands of people going down to the same stadium you've been going and your team is still playing, even though it might not be against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, it might be against St. Louis or Seattle. It's still 
you know, something that brings the community together. You get behind. I mean, I, I'm I'm there for that, and I, and I will be for, there for that regardless of how it goes. Um, but I want it to be healthy. I want there to be a good future for it. And, you know, the worst thing about it is, is that we've heard so many people talk about this, you know, that are, you know, kind of crapping on, you know, any possibilities with the XFL. And I realized to me, that's sort of a last ditch effort, but I haven't heard any other solutions other than, well, the government needs to give them $30 million interest free, or, you know, there needs to be a white knight to come in. That to me tells things are as broken as they've ever been. And then you add in the pandemic and, you know, I don't want football, I don't want pro football in Canada to be a casualty of the pandemic. And if that means there's some significant changes going forward, including some that I think would be very positive, like we just talked about moving the schedule earlier. I'm interested in your thoughts on this map. You know, as someone that loves football, both CFL and NFL, and we talked about, you know, how angry, you know, you know, it's week one of NFL. Everyone's got their fantasy teams. People are fired up. And the Banjo Bowl was at the same time. It made absolutely no sense. I truly believe that I would way rather have CFL opening the year going up against Stanley Cup playoffs, which may or may not have Canadian teams involved, than going up against the NFL in certainly at the beginning of the year. Now, I realize you might be in the playoffs. You might be handling things going a little bit past, um, you know, the beginning of the NFL season, and maybe those are your playoffs or whatnot. I mean, you have to get the games in. But to me, going up against, you know, hockey playoffs in May and June is not even a concern. Or if it's a concern, it's about 100 on a list of 100 when it comes to the CFL. I have for years thought the CFL season should be just to kind of give you like some landmarks in the calendar, Victoria day, long weekend to Canadian Thanksgiving, long weekend, second, last weekend in May to the first or second weekend in October, a majority in the summer. I've never worried about being up against the hockey, the playoff hockey. There hasn't been, (laughs) there aren't, there aren't a lot of Canadian teams that go far. And back when we were on the radio together, we used to look at the numbers. The minute a Canadian team is missing from the Stanley Cup playoffs, people in Canada just don't watch. The, the, the viewership numbers don't lie. They, they drop significantly. And I never thought that baseball suffered. Blue Jays fans don't have a lot of trouble choosing the Blue Jays over a Stanley Cup playoff game involving teams that they don't really watch and don't really care about. And I think the CFL would be even more of that because you got people really – invested in their local local teams i've always thought you know middle of may to middle of october was the sweet spot um and the cfl never really wanted to do that and i i just to go back to your point i i think that the way to frame it is it's safer to assume that the cfl as we've known it for a long time will never be back so then your question is do you want to see changes and some form of a canadian football like you said even if he becomes four downs, even if they change the ball and they change the field, would you rather have football or no football? Because if you cling to this, if you cling to this hope that it can go back to the way it was, nothing in the world is ever going to go back to the way it was. This will be a new normal post pandemic. It's, it's too much of a shift in everyone's paradigms and in everyone's life. So the CFL is in that. If you're, if you're clinging to it, like we got to get back, we got to get back. It's like Jack. I can't believe I'm going to drop a Lost reference because I hated that show. It's like Jack on that show. I know you don't watch TV, Huss, <laughs> but he's like, we got to go back to the island. Jack, you can never go back to the island you think you can go back to. It just, it won't happen. So that's the question. Do you want football, which means change, 
or or do you want no football because you're so clinging to the old ways? It, it, look, I like the three downs and I like the bigger field and I like the bigger ball, but I'm with you. I would rather have football than be, you know, fighting for being on that hill to die on for those things. Well, let's see what happens. But I don't I don't have a good feeling about this year. Oh man, you know what? This has been so much fun. Well, we'll have to do we'll have to do a full Blue Jays chat sometime the next time we get on. But uh, the big Koreans on the mound tonight. I like their chances. I picked them as the <laughs> underdog in the lock shop tonight. I love Hyunjin Ryu. He is so great. Um, maybe he could just hit on the way. Maybe he could hit because uh, the Jays don't have trouble with, hit, with pitching right now. They have trouble with hitting. Look at those averages. Other than Vlad, that's why they're uh, seven and nine right now. Hey, just quickly on that. Um, is the, like Shohei Otani is the biggest unicorn in sports right now. He's on the mound tonight. I don't know if you saw that start he had a couple Sundays ago where he hit 101 in the top of the first inning and then smashed a 450 home run hitting in the two hole in the bottom. Um, and I know late games, West Coast, a lot of people don't see him, but this guy might be the most must see athlete in sports right now when healthy. If by unicorn you mean other than Babe Ruth. <laughs> yes don't yes, forget that's right he used to pitch and hit too people for some reason think that no one did it before Sheho but um yeah he, well, what was that a hundred years ago first of all in uh in a major leagues that didn't allow black players so i listen i'll i'll give a nod to the guy doing it in 2021 a little bit more to back in uh in, in those days you know what i'm saying look until i hear about someone being cursed by Otani. I think Babe Ruth still plays. <laughs> Matty, great having you on the program. Much love to Heather and the boys, and uh, let's do this again soon. To us, and to Remus, and to everybody who supports and watches Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, thank you so much for the opportunity. Hopefully the next time I come on, everything works and I don't curse anything. <laughs> but thanks for the time, <laughs> no. guys. You're the best, buddy. There he is, the sports rabbi himself, our old friend Matt Leibel, a mainstay, one of the great voices in 1290 history and a great friend of the program. All right, we're going to talk some uh, hockey, Habs, Jets, and more with Dale Weiss coming up in just a second. Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, as always, brought to you by Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway and 650 Rally in EK. Uh, we're going to have a couple nice days coming up. I know it's not very nice out today. Spring is allegedly here, despite the last couple weeks we've had. So get ready for spring, whether it's bikes, fitness equipment, soccer, baseball, um, disc golf. They've got it all, literally your one-stop shop, not to mention the best selection of licensed team merchandise in Manitoba. It's all there for you at Royal Sports. Get ready for spring. Pop down there and tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And... uh, Of course, our friends at Boston Pizza Winnipeg. Still time to call your shot with Boston Pizza and Molson. Purchase any pizza pairs or Molson product, Coors Light Sub-Zero maybe for you. Uh, You'll get an entry. You can win instant Boston Pizza gift cards, maybe a homemade ODR outdoor rink for next year in your backyard, or a VIP NHL experience. Do it now. Dine-in, takeout, or delivery at any local Boston Pizza location. All right, been looking forward to this for a while. A great friend of the program, had on a few days back in the old Pemina days, and now joins us for the first time on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. He is the Winnipeg product, longtime NHLer, and now doing some work following the Montreal Canadiens on Habs tonight. It's Dale Weiss. Weezy, what's going on? 
Hey, buddy, I'm excited to be here with you. I'm always excited to talk to you, but I get a chance to be on uh, on here with you, man. I'm excited. Well, I uh, really appreciate it. We've been waiting to hook this up, and it's been really cool to see what you've been up to as well. I mean, just before we get talking Jets and Habs, tell us a little bit about what you've been uh, occupying yourself with in your work uh, on Habs Tonight. Yeah, Habs Tonight's been a cool project. Um you know, for me, I'm, I've always been a guy that's not afraid to speak his mind. Um, I'm always a guy that uh, wanted to give a better interview than the standard, uh, yeah, we tried hard tonight and I was a full 60 minutes and that stuff. I've, I've, always, I've always been such a promoter of how good the personalities were in hockey and I just wanted to bring more out. So, um, you know, I want to be a, a positive media outlet. Obviously, things from Montreal haven't been going very well lately, and, and it's tough to do that. But uh, I want to just be a positive media outlet, a, a positive community. And uh, and eventually, I'm hoping we branch into other teams and uh, and, and be a little more uh, of a full league coverage. But, uh, you know, my following with, with Montreal is, is pretty big right now. So that's kind of where we started. So uh, tell us, uh, tell everyone listening, because, uh, I mean, it is on YouTube. I know, I believe, is it just Habs tonight? Uh, how often are you on? When can people see you uh chopping it up with the gang yeah so i i have a we do we go live every wednesday uh it's normally eight eastern uh seven for for us winnipeggers and uh i have different guests you know we had don cherry a couple weeks ago we had uh chris pronger uh, dan carcillo and uh i've been mixing it up last week i had Devin diomini who was a good buddy of mine that we played together in hartford and we told some uh some pretty good american hockey league stories and uh yeah, we just have some fun on, on Wednesday nights. And uh, if you follow the channel at Habs Tonight, uh, you know, we're, we're at Habs Tonight on Instagram, Twitter, uh, pretty much every social media outlet that you can find. And uh, and it'll give you the updates. We have pre-shows, post-game shows, and in uh, little segments from time to time. So uh, we got you covered on Habs stuff. And, and if you're a hockey fan, uh, tune in Wednesdays for Weezy Wednesdays, and you, you get some good interviews there. Well, let me ask you this, um, because, you know, you've played in a number of markets in the National Hockey League, and we always hear about just how, you know, crazy the cult of hockey is in Montreal. How would you compare the pressure, the attention, everything goes, everything that goes with being a Montreal Canadian compared to your other stops in the league? Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, you know, I, I wasn't in any slouch cities. You know, I started in New York. I went to Vancouver, uh, Montreal, Chicago, Philly. Like these are huge, huge A markets in the NHL. And there's just nothing compared to Montreal. There, there's just nothing. Um, you know, the, the pressure that you talk about, you, you feel it in the locker room, regardless if anybody wants to admit it. The players feel it when you're losing, when the team's not doing well in Montreal, the world is ending. And it's, it's, there's just a slumber feel around the locker room. It's all you can talk about. It's all you can feel. Um, you know, you can't go to the grocery store with your family. You can't go to restaurants. It's just, you feel that pressure. And, uh, you know, I, I never felt that in any other city. Those are, you know, Chicago, Philly. These are huge hockey markets, but there, there's nothing that compares to Montreal. Now, um, following the Habs this year must be uh, must be interesting um, because, I mean, there were high expectations. Bergevin's been incredibly aggressive with both player moves in the offseason. What was your reaction when they fired Claude Julien? I mean, I think their record was like 9-5-1. and one. I mean, it wasn't like they were at the bottom of the standings or anything. Um, it just goes to show, I think, the urgency and the pressure to win right now. But, you know, we'll talk about where the Habs are right now, but maybe back it up a little bit to start the firing of Julien and how did that go amongst, you know, when you guys were talking about it on Habs tonight? Because I think it surprised a lot of people, maybe outside of the market. 
Yeah. So when you look at, at the summer signings and he brought into Foley and you make the move for Anderson, you give him this huge deal and he comes out of the gate and backs it up and to Foley scoring all these goals and the team's firing and everybody's excited. Like, okay, look at these moves. This was great. They're going to win the Stanley cup. And then I actually threw something in on Twitter that, that got a ton of, um, I don't want to say hate because the Habs fans don't really hate on me, but that there was some controversy when I said, I remember in 2016, when we started off nine zero and one, and we didn't make the playoffs, and that kind of blew up, and now it continues to be retagged because they're bordering on on a playoff position. But I was simply just making, from my assumption, I, and and I played with Montreal in the bubble last summer, so I, I'm not far removed from the team and my understanding of, of how the locker room works. And I didn't think they were that strong of a team to have that kind of start. Obviously, they played Vancouver a ton, which isn't a strong team. And, and you know, stats are inflated. Individual stats are inflated. But when I looked at the team, I, they're right where I expected them to be. I expected them in Calgary to be battling for that four spot. That's where I would have predicted before the year. So, um, you know, expectations were kind of uh, – they exceeded them early, and then now it's kind of gone the other way. But um, I think Bergevin feels the pressure, and I think that's where the Claude Julian firing came in because – He's had a lot of time to work this team, and, and from when I first came there in 2014, 2015, he's blown the team up a couple times and hasn't had a lot of success. So at some point, you know, you can only fire so many coaches, right? You know this in hockey, where eventually you're the guy to go, and, and I think he's out of options now. So he, he's kind of pushing all his all his coins in, and, and he's all in, and uh, he fired his last coach, and, and, you know, the next firing is going to be himself. So the, the, I think they've got to make the playoffs, and, and even if they do, I don't know if he keeps his job. Yeah, it, it is interesting. I mean, the pressures we've talked about is different than anywhere else. And I just think back about that start. I mean, the thing that stands out to me about the start of the Habs, and you mentioned the games against Vancouver, was the Toffoli signing. I mean, Toffoli in some ways sunk the Canucks season before it even got started. He was scoring <laughs> two goals a night, every night against his old team. And that shot the Habs to the top of the standings. It killed the Canucks early on. But maybe it did give people that sort of sense that, oh, this team has arrived. Everything that we had hoped for is happening, and this should continue the entire season. Well, now it's Dominic Ducharme's um, challenge to do that. And I guess I'm quite interested as to whether he is the guy going forward, like beyond this season. I don't believe there's been any commitment that he is the permanent head coach at this time. It was interim at the beginning. I mean, you know, the guy needs to speak French. He kind of ticks off a lot of the boxes. But again, if they sort of moonwalk into the playoffs and go out early, you know, does Bergevin decide to go somewhere else before he gets clipped himself? Right. That's that's an interesting point, and that's something that I've thought a lot about. Um, and I don't know, does the COVID play into his hiring? Was was that really Bergevin's idea? Was that the plan? Did he just pull the trigger and he said, okay, this is an easy option? I, I don't know what the, the thought process behind it or, or what the rules were. Uh, or who is really available at the time. Um, but I, I don't know if he's going to have the option. At what point does the owner step in, Jeff Molson, and say, look, it, you fired all these coaches. Maybe I need to look a different direction. Or, you know, d- does he give him a nut? He's like, okay, I'm giving you one last chance. You hire a new coach now and, and see what happens. Because I don't know if this team is contending. I, I think they're... I think there's a lot of pieces that have to come in to, to kind of put them in, in Winnipeg and in Toronto's level. And uh, and I don't know if Berger's going to get the chance to see that through. Well, uh, let me ask you this, Dale. Um, you know, Remus and I were talking at the beginning of the program, and I heard this this morning on a, at a, one of the shows out of Calgary or Vancouver, that when the Canucks had the, the COVID explosion and, you know, were iced for three and a half weeks, they had a 6% chance to make the playoffs. They played one game in four weeks, 
and they now have an 18% chance to make the playoffs because of how bad the Calgary Flames have been and how bad the Montreal Canadiens have been over the past month. Um, how would you categorize where Montreal is right now at this season? Because it's been assumed they've been a playoff team for a long time, but they're certainly taking their sweet time to kind of officially announcing that they're part of those final four. Yeah, to to speak on the Vancouver thing, what a crazy situation that was, right? Like, to to be off that long mid-season and then you're expected to have one practice and hop into a game, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. When JT Miller came out and and voiced his opinion, I loved it because at what point does the player safety ever become you know, a priority. They, they say it is in the NHL. It's really not. They don't, they don't care. They want to put the product on the ice and, and, you know, to say that the players have an option. Well, they got the, 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 the I can't remember who said it last week. I'm trying to remember. It's in the back of my mind where he said, well, the players had had the vote and, and when like, come on, no, they didn't. The players don't have any vote. You know, I, it's crazy, but I'm getting off topic here. Cause that, that, that was crazy when I saw that. But, um, Montreal, to me, again, from my personal opinion, from the start of the year, I thought they'd be battling for a playoff spot. I honestly thought Calgary would be better. And when I look at them, the teams where they are now today, I, I don't know if Calgary's better than Montreal. I, I, I think they're going to run out of some some runway to catch them. Uh, eventually, Montreal is going to win some games here. They're going to pick up some points. And, uh, and and I think they find a way to, to slide in as fourth and um, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. But when you're limping your way in, it's it's not the way you want to go in the playoffs. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, it's hard to imagine they're going to do anything without Carey Price. I mean, you've played with Carey Price. He is, a as a player that has a legend like that in net, um, and we'll get to the Jets in a bit and the Hellebuck effect on the rest of Winnipeg. But, you know, in normal times, when you were playing there, knowing that Carey Price was always one of the top goaltenders in the league, how, how did that help you guys, even when you're out on a shift and maybe spending a bit too much time in your own end? Yeah, it was everything. He was everything. Um, you know, in 2014, we made our playoff front of the conference final. He was everything. In 15, you know, we we won the division. Like, he was just everything for our team. And, and I still think he is. When I look at the playoffs last year, we had no business beating the Pittsburgh Penguins. They, they didn't play great. Um, you know, it was a weird situation the way, you know, no, nobody was kind of rolling. You, you go into the bubble, you play a couple games, you jump into playoffs. But Carey Price stole that series. He almost stole the series against Philadelphia, who was the hottest team in that bubble at the time. And he was lights out. And it's just, you just know, you can just see the confidence in him. And, and the team plays different when he's in there. Um, you just know it's going to have to be a really, really good goal to beat him, and you can give up a lot of chances. and And he covers up a lot of defensive deficiencies. and uh, And it, I, I just think when I look at Winnipeg's team and the Hellebuck thing, like you said, it's it, it reminds me a lot of Carey Price about four or five years ago. So Dale Weiss is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Day. Let's talk about the Jets for a minute because I mean, and you know, we almost should start with Hellebuck. He has been the backbone of this hockey club for the last couple seasons, having another brilliant year and a big reason why they're you know, challenging for first place. Um, but your thoughts on the team overall that, you know, most people look at the team and say Jets have some elite talent up front, probably compared to Toronto or Edmonton, 1-12, to 12, they have the deepest forward group, but the concerns always are on the losses on the blue line over the last couple of years and whether those six defensemen can, um, you know, and, and, and I'm not even sure that that's fair, to be honest, Dale, and you'd be better to talk about this. I mean, you know, you know, it, Listen, the defensemen often get blamed, and they're very important for getting the puck out and all those things. But defense, especially, you know, come playoff time, is a responsibility of all five players on the ice. 
not just the defenseman, right? Thoughts on the Jets and how they might be able to be prepared to do some damage come uh, come the Stanley Cup playoffs. Right. When, when I look at the Winnipeg Jets, um, you know, like you said, the first thing I think about is Connor Hellebuck. He is absolutely incredible. Um, I thought he was at the top of his career last year, and he's even turned it up a notch this year, which is just outstanding for, for the way he was playing last year. When you watch him, man, is he confident in there. Just the way he just he just gobbles rebounds. There's just nothing. It's just I, I love watching him play. I, I've always been a fan of him. Um, I've always been a fan of the Jets. And now I can finally voice that really, you know, out loud because I'm not playing in the league. So <laughs> um, when, when I look at their team, you look at their forward crew and they're, they're as, as elite as anybody. Um, they can score. They can win games 6-5. But you don't have to when you got a goalie like that. I like I said about Carey Price when, when we had really really good teams. He covers up so many mistakes, and I don't even care who their six are on the on, on the back end for Winnipeg. I, I think they're getting the job done. I like the way their team's playing, and with him and Net, he, he's going to cover up so many defensive issues. And like you said, when it comes to the playoffs, it's a five man issue. And the way Winnipeg defends, you have five guys in the picture all the time. So you, you got to beat five guys. You're not just beating one defenseman and you know, are, are they as good as, as Winnipeg's defensive team when, when they went to the conference final? Probably not name-wise, but I think as a team, they're playing as well as a group, as, as, as five-man units, they're playing as well as they were. And, and Hellebuck's at another level. So I really like their team going forward. Hey, have you had much of a chance to uh, watch Logan Stanley this year? Six seven uh, Logan Stanley out there. Yeah, I mean, so I I when I was playing in Laval in 2019 for the first three months, uh, we actually played the Moose like six times, and uh, and I got a chance to see him. Obviously, that was two years ago, but I got a chance to see him live, and uh, and I liked his game then, and then I've watched him a ton this year. So I'm uh, I, I'm impressed from where he's come, even from the beginning of the year to now too. Well, you know for sure, and I mean he's been one of these great stories, and and you know everyone has a different path to the NHL. But, I mean, he was a first-round pick taken in the same draft as Patrick Laine was. And I tell this story all the time. I mean, the, Mark Hillier, the head scout, came on with us and told us that day on the draft floor, like, this is a different first-round pick. I mean, he's going to go back to junior for a couple years. Then he's going to probably play a couple years in the American League. And then we'll see what becomes of this. And, you know, to see his development, his growth, how he's filled out, I mean, you know, it's you know, there's not a lot of guys that are that big at 18 years old that come in, and there's some uh, filling out to do it. But um, and again, you know, I know defense is a bit of a different position, and you, you've, you know, we always hear that defensemen maybe take a little longer to grow into themselves. But you know, for Stanley to come in, really unfairly being labeled a bust by a lot of people before he even got a chance to do it. What's been amazing watching him is just how his confidence level seems to be improving and increasing game after game after game. And I imagine, especially at a position like that, going up against the likes of McDavid and Matthews, I mean, what you're playing against in the North Division, that, you know, what's in between between your ears and your just personal confidence level going out um, is incredibly important. He's been doing it right now, getting some results um, it's been pretty neat to see a guy that was written off by a lot go in. Now, I think anyone that watches the Winnipeg Jets would say, this guy's a big, big part of their future on the blue line. He was unfairly judged, too. When when you look at who ha- Winnipeg has had come in and look at their draft picks, it's almost unfair. Who, who can live up to those expectations of Line and Connor and Shifley and Ehlers and, and Morrissey? Like Those are like elite superstars in the league. And and to say Stanley was was going to come in and do that, um, I, I think Winnipeg tampered expectations when they drafted him, and they said, "Look, this is a big body. 
He, he's going to take some time to develop. But just look at the strides, like I just said, that he's made from the beginning of the year to now. Give this guy a couple years or two for how big he is. He's got a little bit of old school in him where he's a little bit nasty. And I think you need that. You need that. That's going to be huge in the playoffs. When you're playing against Toronto skilled guys and he's going to get out there against them, when, when you get him in the corner and you're giving a couple extra shots or he's cross-checking Mitch Marner, he's getting under a guy's skins, he's had a couple fights, he, he just brings a lot to the table. And I'm I, I'm a fan of him just because I saw where he's come from two years ago and and I loved how much he's, 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 he's developed and – you know, like I said, the prospects of Winnipeg had are just insane the way they've come in and, and played so well. And, uh, you know, they're, they're finding ways to, to just develop players. And it's for Winnipeg to be a good team going forward. Everybody knows that's what they're going to need to do. Dale Weiss with us here at Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, before we go, let me ask you this. As someone that has been a player in the market and that ha- and a longtime NHLer on top of that, but specifically in Montreal, now working as part of the media in and around there. How insane would a Toronto-Montreal best-of-seven series be, even without fans, Dale? Yeah, even without fans, that would be incredible. Um, I, I think that's what everybody wants. Um, you know, maybe the Montreal Canadiens players probably don't want that matchup, but I think everybody <laughs> that's a fan of it would want that. Um, you know, you, I, I, when would the last series between those two have been? Oh, it's been decades. It has been decades. They... Um, you know, there was the potential back in 93 when they were both in the Final Four. And, um, of course, the <laughs> L.A. Kings ended up uh, ending the uh, ending the party for <laughs> for the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> but, I mean, you just think about the market, the fact that they have played each other a lot through regular season games but haven't had that playoff series. And, you know, with everyone, especially now, with everyone locked down with nothing to do, I mean... I would imagine that would smash most of the viewership ratings for Canadian hockey on Hockey Night in Canada, that's for sure. Yeah, I was just going to say that the viewing on that would be incredible. Um, even if you're you're a, you know, a, not even a hockey fan, you're going to watch that matchup. That's all you'd be able to do. And there's no better time with everybody at home to to have the viewers go through the roof. So that would be incredible. I, I, I want to see that matchup. Um, you know, just from a fan base, I, I would love to see the animosity between that and have the series go five, six, seven games. Oh, oh, oh baby, can you imagine a game seven between those two? Oh, no doubt. Hey, before we let you go, how's your lovely wife, Lauren, and the big family? Like, dad life has got to be pretty busy for you these days, seeing how much uh, you've got on your plate back at the homestead. Yeah, it's crazy. For anyone that doesn't know, I got a seven, uh, seven-year-old boy, five-year-old girl, and uh, I have twins that are going to be two on the weekend. So it's, uh, <laughs> man, it, having this last seven months to, to kind of be here every single day and do some things that I haven't been able to for the last couple of years has been amazing. Um, I, I truly have cherished it. And uh, my wife's doing great. She says hi. And, uh, you know, we're loving the extra time. It's been awesome. Um, you know, obviously not, not a good time for the world. And, and uh, you know, obviously, COVID has, has has been awful for a lot of people. But uh, you know, in my situation, it's uh, it's kind of been a blessing in disguise. Well, you know, it's a blessing in disguise for us too, because uh, maybe you'll have some more time to jump on with us uh, occasionally here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, people have been <laughs> loving it in the chat, Dale, and obviously Beautiful. going back to the first time we spoke. It's uh, always great to chop it up with you, whether it's somewhere uh, out in Winnipeg in better times or uh, whether it's here on uh, on the channel. 
I'm always available for you, buddy. You let me know anytime. I'm happy to come on. I love talking about the Jets now, too. Right on. Well, hopefully we'll have lots of uh, both Jets and Hab stuff to talk about as we get into what would be uh, what will be a really exciting time, I think, for Canadian hockey fans when there's not much else to do. Uh, listen, all the best to you and the fam, Dale, and uh, thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll definitely uh, plan to do this again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. Perfect. There's Dale Weiss. Give him a follow on Twitter at DaleWeiss22. And you can check out Dale's work on Wheezy Wednesdays on Habs Tonight. Look up Habs Tonight on YouTube. All right. We've got a few more things to get to. Uh, I want to tell you, uh, no real golf report to do uh, today uh, for Breezy Bend. But I will give Corey and uh, Craig and the gang at Breezy a big shout out because they've been doing a ton of work on the course through these last couple weeks when... Uh, nobody has been golfing because of the weather. Um, of course, opening up again for members on Thursday. So everyone fired up about that. And again, if you're interested in uh, maybe getting on the waiting list to join one of Winnipeg's premier private clubs, and as far as I'm concerned, the most fun place to golf in the province of Manitoba, go to breezybend.ca or give them a call and talk to our good friend, Corey. Let's get uh, Michael Remus back in here on the program. Remo, I know that you have been following the, um, well, first off, great stuff with Libel, and what a debut on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk for Dale Weiss. He was awesome, and uh, man, his mic game is five-star. Yeah, um, he's rivaling uh, Zig Fracassi in terms of the mic power Best sounding guest so far. Makes me want to tune in at Habs tonight on YouTube. I saw him. Uh, saw them uh, channel, checked it out, got some nice thumbnails, looks pretty good. So he's got some good stories on there. So love to have uh, Dale back. I know a lot of people in chat loved his insight. Uh, Matt Leibel, uh, he felt really bad answering your CFL question. <laughs> he was honest about I saw- it. And this goes back. To, he's got interesting yeah. views on it, and he has been someone that has been very progressive when it comes to um, – you know, trying to trying to grow the league and get it healthy, and um, and and I guess is, was Hamilton tweeting while I was talking to Dale about this uh, CFL announcement. Do we have anything on that? Yeah, there, there's a couple. Yeah, I put it on the ticket. There's a couple things that have come out during that. Jeff Hamilton just tweeted uh, the CFL Board of Governors wrapped up their meeting. Uh, they're expecting to announce that the season is going to be postponed tomorrow. So we'll wait for that tomorrow. Uh, nothing today. And there's slowly been trickling out some news about this uh, European Super League in soccer. Um, the chairman of Man U just resigned. So I think cool. they're, yeah, yeah. So they're dropping out of the Super League and Chelsea dropped out too. So it seems like the Super League, um, a lot of backlash from supporters. I know pe- Chelsea supporters I've never were seen anything protesting. like it. I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, as we talked yesterday on the program, that there's a special connection in history amongst the supporters, the fans of these clubs um, and their teams, even as the business has become a trillion-dollar business and some of the Man U's and Man Cities have turned into, you know, international superpowers. Um, you know, three of the six teams, I believe that we're going to go into the Super League from England. We're are owned by Americans, a couple others by other foreigners. So that doesn't go over well. And if the if the end result is to essentially nuke over a century of history and uh, and a domestic league that goes on with it that, you know, I, you know, it, it's funny. We talk a lot about where the CFL is at right now and I think it speaks to the pandemic of the effect on sports everywhere unless you're one of the super elite and what these clubs decided to do is they were going to leave everybody behind. And 
it was off-putting, I think, to anyone that's a fan of the game that just, you know, wants sport to be for everyone. And um, it, it'll be fascinating to see the way this thing plays out because, um, you know, as a very casual fan, someone that pays attention when big news happens, um, you know, even people that are not completely invested in the sport, I saw, you know, tweeting about it. Hell, it was a massive news story going over the weekend. So um, it certainly won't be the last that we've heard about it. And, you know, I can imagine there's some greedy owners of North American sports teams that looked at that, thought, mm, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Um, and then now they're watching the PR backlash that, you know, could haunt some of these teams for a long time. And certainly the key people, as you mentioned, with the chairman of Man U resigning today. Yeah, I just saw a video of Chelsea supporters, you know, protesting in the streets, screaming, uh, we saved football. That's how pumped they are. <laughs> but then I got kind of excited. Like, what if we did have a, what if we did have a league where all the top revenue generating teams joined? Like, uh, I don't know, all the NHL Canadian teams starting their own league with Montreal, <laughs> Vancouver, <laughs> Toronto. You get rid of all those low. Get rid of all those low. Be, I think it would be interesting, and we're seeing uh, how awesome that would be here. Uh, but uh, I don't see that happening. I think you're you're more powerful uh, for the NHL, all of them together, but. Uh, what if you did have a baseball hust with the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox? Uh, who else can you throw in there? Uh, well, in- interesting. Cubs. I mean, I mean, I'm not in for that. I mean, as I said, and like I guess being a Winnipeg guy, I've always felt kinship with some of the smaller market teams. That was a big reason why 25 years ago I, you know, got so into going down to KC. You know the the experience about going to the game, the tailgates, everything sort of made me a fan. But, you know, you can see some similarities between the cities, between the people. And I got to tell you, you know, being at the World Series in 2014 and seeing the Royals actually win it in 2015 as a small market team, a bit of a Cinderella story. It was, I mean, those stories in sports just simply wouldn't happen anymore because, hell, the Leicester team, speaking of the Premier League and soccer, Leicester winning the Premier League three or four years ago, opening up as 5,000 to one underdogs is, I mean, there's going to be movies made about that. It's one of the great sports stories in a number of decades. So um, anyways, I'm just happy it sounds like this isn't going that way. Everyone that I know that really cares about soccer, that are big fans of the game, were outraged when this plan went forward. So We'll see. Uh, we'll see yeah. how that. We'll yeah. see how so that goes Manche- forward. Manchester City uh, is also backing out, so it seems like everyone's just bailing on this plan. Boom, boom. Well, uh, I tell you what, that not a uh, not a bad thing to do. Let's get to the lines today for CoolBet.com. And once the show for anyone that's with us in uh, in the chat right now, if you want to, uh, if you're looking for more content, um, you can go to my Twitter. Dustin Nielsen and I did about 30 or 40 minutes for a Tuesday edition of the Lock Shop today. We've got picks for tonight in the National Hockey League, some baseball. We talked to golf for next week. So it's all up there right now on my Twitter. Or uh, if you're consuming this on the audio podcast, make sure to search Lock Shop and uh, download on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And we do new shows every Tuesday during the day and dropping it on Friday night before a big weekend of action. So tonight, a few good games. Rangers-Islanders. This game last night when I was looking up the picks, Islanders were opening as a minus-128 favorite. 
Um, everyone's on the Rangers for some reason. And I know they won four in a row. You look a little closer. Yeah, they beat the New Jersey Devils four times in a row. They're moving up a weight class against the Islanders. I like New York and Barry Trotz's team to win tonight. They're at now only minus 115 after opening at minus 128. So I think some nice value on the Islanders. Uh, We've also got a hell of a game. Game of the night tonight in the National Hockey League, without a doubt, is the Carolina Hurricanes at the Tampa Bay Lightning. They went to OT last night with the Lightning getting the win. Carolina, a slight road favorite at minus 103. Tampa at minus 114. That game opened, actually, as a straight pick which I was a little surprised. Uh, Dallas, big home favorite against the Detroit Red Wings. Same case for the Pittsburgh Penguins against New Jersey, who just came off losing to the Rangers four times in a row. And the Columbus Blue Jackets at the Florida Panthers. Columbus plus 180. Florida minus 217. Remus, let me ask you about Columbus. Dusty and I were kind of breaking down their last couple months. Do you know that they've won twice in their last 15 games? Um, and that then, sounds of course, really bad. It is really bad. And um, it hasn't gone well for Line A. Um, it might have gone worse this year for Max Domi, who was their big offseason acquisition in that trade for Josh Anderson. Um, healthy scratch again from Torts tonight. Seems like the rite of passage for star players this year in Columbus. Uh, you got to take your turn taking a seat. Uh, Max Domi, I don't know, he's taking some bad penalties, not controlling his temper. Uh, whatever he's doing, John Torella doesn't like it, and uh, two games. So it's kind of weird that you'd you know, be trading for a guy in the offseason. It was uh, Josh Anderson, I think, has worked out well for Montreal. He's been awesome. But, he's been awesome. Yeah. And they, they did, I mean, didn't they sign him to a seven year extension, too? He signed a long a extension uh, right big, away. Big yeah. contract, so, but he's, so he's been awesome Domi, for the Habs this year. Yeah, Max Domi's supposed to be their, I guess, top center now that they traded PLD. But there he is on the bench uh, for the second straight game against Florida, who's expected to start uh, top prospect Spencer Knight. Uh, you may remember him from the World Juniors uh, this past year. I don't know. Yeah. Or did you block that out of your memory? <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. Not familiar yeah. <laughs> with Spencer Knight, but heard he's a nice prospect. Never seen him play before. Oh, so. man. We, we've got some good stuff. Wayne Jones, shut up, Wayne, and our, our Norway contingent. Uh, wondering if yeah. the CFL is going to play this year. Um, we can't answer that. Um, the plan all along has been to play this year. And certainly from everyone I'm hearing in Canadian Football League circles, that plan, you know, it still exists. But I just don't know how anything can really be set in stone with all the uncertainty. Apparently, they're going to delay the start of training camps tomorrow, which obviously is going to happen. I mean, people aren't even allowed to leave their houses in Ontario right now. And there's a curfew and, you know, it's a straight up stay at home order. So, you know, they won't be getting down to business um, anytime soon. But I do think that we will have some semblance of a season, whether it's a 12-game season or whatever it works. But, Reem, what, what will be the most fascinating is, is as they're playing these games, fingers crossed that that happens, you know, what becomes of all of these talks about going on to next year? Because I think even if they play this season, they're going to need an influx of cash. It will be a money-losing operation. It was a money-losing operation to begin with. They're not going to be able to have full stadiums, I don't think. So it puts them into an incredible catch-22. But if they do have a vision of carrying pro football on to next year, even if it is different, even if it is merged, it's important for it to play this year. And, and to be honest, there's a lot of people whose livelihoods, not just the players, really depend on the Canadian Football League being an actual league and playing games this season. Yeah, there's a lot of questions in chat about the CFL and 
We were just expecting them to announce they were delaying the start of the season. We know it's going to be delayed, but we're waiting for them to announce it officially. So they had a Board of Governors meeting today, and Jeff Hamilton is saying they will announce that announcement tomorrow. So... Yeah, the announcement that there will be an announcement tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, they, Jeff Hamilton's yeah, he's just reporting that they'll announce the delay, and I'm curious how it's going to be. You know, you have to want to hear about libel saying, "Look, you know, we're all tied to these traditions, but maybe it's best to move forward." I know we all like three down football, but I mean, no, are we're the only crazy people playing three down football? No one else is. Maybe we need to look at you know why, and uh, maybe we should start you know moving towards four down football if. You know, it's going to open it up, the interest, you know, more, you know, across North America if you do merge with the XFL. I mean, these are things you got to look at. I hope they have a season. Uh, I love playing uh, CFL Fantasy, love watching the Bombers uh, going to games, which seems like uh, we'll have some kind of capacity, I would think, here the way things are going right now. So this is something we're going to be staying tuned to tomorrow when they announce the announcement. Yeah, I've got some great stuff in the chat. And thanks to everyone that was here. If you're with us right now, hit that thumbs up button. The likes help us out for sure. And make sure to tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk and subscribe. Most of you have probably already subscribed, but I think I saw we hit 3.7 today, Reem. Is that right? Yeah, 3,700 uh, YouTube subs. Right. So thank you, everyone, doing that. You're all helping us uh, show up more on YouTube by hitting that like button, subscribing. And uh, our social media, we hit, uh, what, like 1,000? Uh, followers on Instagram last week were going up. I posted a video on Instagram, Hus, of you uh, talking about the Mark Shifley press conference with Ken. Oh, that the was Zoom like our mo- yeah, the Zoom incident. That was our most viewed video ever on Instagram. So <laughs> give us a follow. Good, on, good on Insta. <laughs> I'm glad uh, the people, people are lo- getting the real truth about what happened on Saturday night. That's exactly yeah, what Zoom- I hoped for. Zoom fails. Hashtag Zoom fails. Very popular. In 2021. Um, now, Tracy Okranik, uh, Tracy, love you. Thanks for always being here in the chat and supporting us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Torts is burning it down and salting the earth behind him on the way out. And then James Robinson added, Ty Domi made the trip to Florida for the game. Of course, Torts would, stra- uh, would scratch Max. You know, the I, I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that Tortorella won't be back. Um, somebody else, I'm just trying to see where it was. Um, I think it was, was it Paul? They were asked, it was Paul Adet. Yeah. Do you think the Blue Jackets GM will walk the plank after the season is over? Uh, I think it's safe to say this has been a very challenging year for Yarmo Kekalainen, but, um, you know, hopefully he's in good with the ownership and they really do believe in him to bring in a new coach. Um, because holy smokes, man, I mean, that has just been, a ship that has been taking on more and more water. And um, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens in these final games as they play out the stretch for uh, a high draft pick. And uh, John Tortorella's likely final games behind the bench in Columbus. I'm sure the players won't be too upset that the season will be over. In Columbus, yeah. I mean, they're kind of just playing it out, as you said. And I don't know how you can keep having, like, these top guys get, like, has so many guys get scratched. Like, Rosovic's taking a turn. On the bench, you know, line A's set at times. It's weird. And I did see, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, William Nylander. I think Mark Masters said that it seems like he's going to be in the game tonight for them. And um, big save Dave actually starting for Toronto as well. Ooh, there's a little fantasy note for you. Yeah. So Nylander apparently not 
benched as was He's, announced he yesterday. So okay. you can you can be late. You, I mean, there's other ways to discipline a late player us than <laughs> sitting them for a game. Right? Or is benching yes. them the only way to get the message through? I mean, you need Ugh. this guy to help you win games. They they just lost Zach Hyman. I don't think Look, obviously being late is an infraction, but like you just lost Zach Hyman, William Nylander, good player. He's signed for a big contract. You kind of need him to play. Yeah, it all depends on how good you are. Fourth liner, you're sitting out for sure. Maybe oh, multiple games. If yep. <laughs> if you're top six guy, you're on the power play, and you're going to get a talking to, you might be publicly shamed, which I guess they basically did by announcing yesterday that he would be out because he was late. And now maybe they've had a, you know, they, they've all talked it out and it's okay. Um, bottom line is, I saw somebody tweeting about the the character of the Maple Leafs because that happened yesterday. I'm like, I thought everyone said this was a high character group. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm like, really? That's the take because Nylander was a couple minutes late for a team meeting. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, so that's confirmed. Uh, Mark Masters tweeted, Sheldon Keith confirmed British starting Nylander playing. Someone commented in the chat too. It's like, how was he late for a meeting? Like these guys can't do anything they're in the hotel like <laughs> where know. are they going like you're, they're not going anywhere so i don't know if he slept in or he couldn't figure out how to work the, the zoom call i kind of wanted to hear did they did he come up with well, an the thing excuse is, normally i would have expected oh probably partying they're in vancouver he was out at the roxy till four in the morning and couldn't get up but no that's not the case the most likely uh, you know spent too much time in the gulag playing call of duty or something like yeah. that that's the guy. <laughs> yeah i mean that's the that's the only thing. Uh, that, by the way, great COD reference, a game that I've never played, but I know about the Gulag. I've, yeah, I've never played uh, Call of Duty. I'm terrible at those games, but I'm well aware of uh, the Gulag. <laughs> um, Paula Dett, Haas, do you think Niku will play this year for the Jets or be traded in the offseason? I highly doubt he plays. Uh, listen, if two or three defensemen get hurt, then yeah, he'll play. But um, I think it was pretty clear today. Um, like, here are your defense pairings. Pullman and Morrissey, Forbort and Pionk, Stanley and DeMello, and then Vili Hanela and Jordy Ben. And Maurice essentially said as much that, you know, those two guys were the uh, were the extra forwards. Or, sorry, that, they were the next two guys on the depth chart, if you will. So Sammy's in no man's land with this club. Um, I don't probably think that there's a future with the Winnipeg Jets going forward. Someone else will give him a chance and sign him to a deal and, you know, hopefully he'll get a chance to get out there and show what he can do and, you know, still handle his business in the defensive zone. He is, Remus, a really exciting player and, you know, I it would have been amazing if he could have really clicked here in Winnipeg um, because there's a lot of things to like about Sammy Niku but at this point there are just, you know, better defensemen all around uh, in the Jet lineup and and that's not even really the strength of the roster right now. So you'd have to think at some point Sammy Niku probably gets a chance elsewhere where he might have a more realistic chance of playing on a regular basis. Yeah, we've talked about this guy uh, for a, a long time. What, he's like AHL, Rookie of the Year, Defenseman of the Year. Um, ha- he's had a couple chances, hasn't really worked out. And you look at just look at the line rushes today, he's not even on the list. It's Hanela and Ben on that fourth pair, so... Seems like Sammy Niku is an afterthought, and yeah, unless yeah. like everyone gets hurt, um, 
he's not well, going to get. You know what game. they say: you got to have like ten, maybe twelve defensemen to win the cup. So if the Jets are going to make a run to the cup, maybe we'll see Sammy before uh, before the playoffs are over. Um, that being said, doesn't seem like that is a plan uh, going forward. All right, um, big thanks. Mention. Uh, I think I said this yesterday, but if you're looking for a great vacation in Manitoba with the family and they like fishing, check out our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. June is normally the busiest, most high in demand month of the year with tons of Americans going to the lodge. Obviously, that's not happening this year due to the border closings and COVID-19, but it's in the province of Manitoba, about 45 minutes away from the city. You get picked up, fly in to the one-of-a-kind Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge for a world-class experience. Um, If you're looking for something that you can do with the family or some friends right now in the midst of the pandemic, getting out of here into the middle of nowhere to a fly-in fishing lodge with some of the best people I've ever met is the place to, is the thing to do. So check out Aikens Lake with some June availability, which never happens. Aikenslake.com or uh, hit them up on Twitter. Our pal Pitt runs the account and, of course, runs the lodge at Aikens, A-I-K-E-N-S, Lake, uh, at Aikens Lake on Twitter. Um, Remo, a big show tomorrow. And um, we've got, I would like to know, for people that are still with us, just tell me who your favorite Jet is. I'd just like to do a quick straw poll of your favorite Winnipeg Jet. Um, And we've got a special guest coming up that we're going to hopefully hook up shortly with. We'll have that for people tomorrow, um, and then well, a little bit more on the CFL situation tomorrow. If that announcement is made earlier, we might actually start off with that. We will certainly be talking hockey tomorrow on the program with our special guest. And then, Remo, we're back at it on Thursday. The return of Mr. Mute, Ken Weeb himself as we get ready for the Jets and Leafs. And um, I'll be interested to see how the Jets look with a couple full days of practice under their belt and a little bit more rest after the busiest portion of their entire season with 17 of 22 on the road. Yeah, and what's the re- we all know the record for first game after a road trip is not great, but what's what's the history say about the second game after a road trip, Huss? I'm really curious to see. Uh, Much better than the like- first. Much better than yes. the first. <laughs> seems like they're going to have um, Blake Wheeler back. He skated today with Connor and Shifley. Uh, the band's back together, and I think that's that's good for the Jets. Full line, full strength. Let's get ready for the playoffs. And we'll keep an eye on Toronto tonight. We know they don't have Hyman. Nylander, uh, he's in the lineup. Uh, Mikheyev, he's uh, day-to-day. So we'll see what uh, kind of shape. And who? I think Toronto's got some goalie questions going forward. Jack Campbell. The big save Dave is starting. Yeah, yeah you're starting. damn right they've got some questions. Now we know why Kyle Dubas decided to part with a third-round pick that no one thought would be there for Dave Riddich. Um, yeah, it's because they basically need him right now. Freddie's apparently on the trip, but you know, still hasn't played. We'll see about it. All right, we've got some great new Ehlers, Lowry, Brian Little, Dano, Lowry, Lowry. A lot of love for Lowry. His, his Lowry's PR quotient through the roof after signing the five-year extension last Friday. Not to mention, hell of a player and having a great season. Wheels yeah, for the Waverly West wingman Connor Buff, uh, R.I.P. Buff. Jeez. Would it be nice to have him right now? Uh, Lowry, Wheeler, Ehlers, hand down, 55, Forsberg, Ehlers, Buff, Connor. You're getting Buff. We're not getting Buff. Although, as I mentioned, the invitation will always be out for Buff. Um, We'll work some of our fishing guys this summer to see if we can actually connect with Buff. 
and at some point. I think Gussie Outdoors might be the key, Remus, to us finally getting Dustin Bufflin on the show at some point into his retirement. Yeah, does Bufflin, like, have... I have heard stories about him, like, not really having a phone, so I'm not sure what his... uh, (laughs) If he's, like, really that connected. I know his wife is a great follow on on Twitter, so maybe you could... uh, She could help arrange that. Yeah, I, I think she would be our best friend in that sort of a situation. Anyways... Don't hold your breath for Dustin Bufflin, but I'm going to tease you. I think uh, I think you'll be very excited to see the interview that we've got for you tomorrow that we're going to take care of over this next little while for tomorrow's show. We will have the latest in the Canadian Football League. We'll have more on the Winnipeg Jets as they prepare for the Toronto Maple Leafs. All the action coming out tonight in the National Hockey League. It'll all be here for you beginning tomorrow at 1 p.m. on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. So, very special guest tomorrow. One o'clock, you know where to be. Hopefully we'll all see you there. Big thanks to Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Coolbet Canada, Aikens Lake, and of course, Nick and Nikki DQ. And Nick popped in the chat today, the 420 special. This is a DQ Northgate only, half price off ice cream cakes. So um, if you're getting into the spirit of the day, I want to munch down on an entire ice cream cake. Nick has your hookup. All day today, today only for 420 at DQ Northgate. All right, for Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Big thanks to our pal Michael uh, Matthew Libel, the sports rabbi, and Dale Weiss. Great debut from Wheezy here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And, of course, everyone joining us in the chat live on YouTube as well as listening to the podcast. Spread the word, subscribe, like. Do all those things that we're supposed to tell you to do on the internet. But most importantly, come on back tomorrow for what will hopefully be another great show. We appreciate the support, everyone. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.